of the Edge podcast. Brendan Slaughter joined by recruiting analyst Jared Hallis for BeaversEdge.com. It's been a busy week for Oregon State uh, sports recruiting-wise, as we've seen quite a bit of changeover and coming in as it's pretty much been basketball mayhem, so to speak, as in a matter of 24 hours, Oregon State has landed a commitment on the men's basketball side in Tariq Silver. We'll get into him shortly. But the most uh, rather big news is that came yesterday on Thursday with uh, Oregon State guard Destiny Slocum electing to transfer. We'll talk to Corvallis Gazette Times sports editor Steve Grass to get his thoughts and his reaction a little bit later in the podcast on why Slocum decided to use the grad transfer portal and spend her final year of eligibility elsewhere. But uh, for now, it's just uh, Jared and I back in. Jared, how are you doing uh, with social distancing? How's you and your fam doing? And uh, how are things? They're going, man. I mean, going about as well as they could be. Kind of what we talked about last time. I'm just thankful to be in a position where I still have the opportunity to work. Uh, and I hope that everybody is enjoying the stuff that, that we've been able to put out throughout this time. Um, it's definitely something that, you know, everybody's having to adjust to on the fly, but uh, I'm trying to be optimistic and, and, you know, just try to keep everyone in my family level headed and, and uh, try to, you know, just let them know that everything will eventually be OK. You know, we'll, we'll make it through it. No, no, nothing lasts forever. So uh, we'll, we'll make it through. That's a great point, Jared. And again, we do all of us here at Beaver's Edge want to extend our best wishes to Everyone affected by the COVID-19 pandemic, including uh, those healthcare workers that are out there on the front lines, uh, we're definitely thinking of you guys. But uh, back here to the sports side of things, just while there aren't sports officially going on right now, it's naive to think that a lot isn't happening. And when I was able to jump on a Zoom conference call with Jonathan Smith yesterday, we find out there is still a lot still happening, Jared. It's just all happening digitally and all happening behind the scenes. Uh, if you want the latest from head coach Jonathan Smith, make sure to check out uh, the five takeaways uh, posted on beaversedge.com. But when we were talking to him yesterday, I kind of got the, the the notion and the vibe that, you know, it's kind of different, but yet they, you know, coach Smith was kind of me telling or kind of telling me, Jared, it's been uh, one of the, you know, positives, I guess, of the situation has been instead of being tied down to a lot of uh, spring football practice right now, he said they've been able to spend more time uh, recruiting and building relationships over FaceTime. Just kind of touch on that and what your experience of this kind of new FaceTime recruiting as far as building relationships goes and how the Beavers are uh, set up for success in that regard. Yeah, so it's it's good that the staff is a younger staff who, uh, you know, really, as, as we've seen already, just in the, the short amount of time that they've been in Corvallis, uh, we get, you, you can tell that, that they're, you know, go-getters and they're not going to let a circumstance like this or, or any circumstance stop them uh, from doing their job. And, you know, this is something that while it, it sucks that they're not able to, you know, go, go evaluate kids in person or, you know, just go extend offers in person because a lot of times it means a lot to the kids to, to, you know, hear the words straight from the coach's mouth like, hey, we want you to come play here. But, uh, you know, it's something that they're adjusting to very well and you've seen a lot of different efforts uh, through social media and obviously you just touched on they're uh, you know taking the FaceTime route and you know this is something that that they they do already in their job they're just having to do it a lot more now and it's their only means of communicating with these kids whereas back in the day I mean they still FaceTime kids all the time even when there's not dead periods but now it's really the only way that they can talk to them uh, but I mean just to answer the question they're, they're doing a really great job it's uh it's a lot different. I know they're on FaceTime with with different guys every single night. We had an update with Arden Walker yesterday, class of 2021 defensive end, who was actually uh 
getting on FaceTime with Coach Leggy last night. So I mean, they're all they're all getting after it. They're not letting this stop them from from doing their job. And as a fan, that's really the the only thing that you can uh, you can look forward to in, in a coach. Talking Oregon State football with Beavers Edge recruiting analyst Jared Hallis, host Brendan Slaughter here. Again, we got to talk to Jonathan Smith yesterday via Zoom and got a chance to see all the uh, local media and how they put together a Zoom. I was telling someone the other day, Jared, as far as you know, communication goes, uh, being in the 21st century for as far technologically advanced as we are when it comes to the ability to bring people in from different worlds and whatnot on cameras, on fa- we live in a very technologically savvy world right now, and, and I think that has helped significantly just with people being able to still communicate with their loved ones even if they can't see them in person and for sports as well but just the bigger sense of you know 10 years ago you didn't you know FaceTime was either relatively non-existent or you know you just didn't really have it you know we're in such a uh, a more accessible world so to speak right I remember being like you know 12 13 years old and this stuff was kind of just coming out and uh it was, it was crazy because it was the coolest thing in the world, but now it's just such a norm, uh, and yep. it's something that everybody kind of just does naturally. Even if even if it's just having a conversation like with a friend, sometimes they'll call you or FaceTime you instead of texting you, uh, and there's a lot of different ways. Uh, but it is a very good thing that we have all this stuff because people would really really be losing it if they weren't even able to see, uh, you know, like a live feed of, of their loved ones, or you know, for a coach's example, if they weren't able to, to talk to recruits essentially face to face. Uh, it takes a lot of the, the personability out of all this time, and we need as much of that as we can get right now. So it's good that we have all these means of communication, and uh, thank God we, we have them. No, you're absolutely correct, and it definitely, you know, it, 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 it definitely makes, you know, coping with, you know, the situation that we're in right now uh, a little bit easier. Uh, speaking a little bit more to some other takeaways from, you know, talking to Jonathan Smith yesterday, um, you know, he kind of gave us, uh, for those edgers that have been curious, you know, what the coaching staff is maybe specifically doing, you know, right now. You know, Jonathan said that they're taking a deep look at the future non-conference opponents for, you know, coming up this year and, you know, also look in the Pac-12. There's still a lot of things, you know, that coaches can do without the players as far as the, the prep work goes. The issue is going to be, you know, how long this whole thing lasts. And that's why, you know, when Jonathan said yesterday – in order for the season to probably start on time, guys would need to be cleared and be able to get back into the weight room around July 1st to be mm-hmm. able to have a month or so of workout time uh, coming in, you know, quote unquote, cold and raw, you know, raw, so to speak, from going from vigorous training in early March to potentially working out with your home dumbbell set for a month, two months, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um it, it's yeah i mean it, it's um there is i mean it's unfair and um certainly frustrating because you know and, and you know we know whether it's oregon state whether it's you know washington state, wherever it is there are going to be guys that have the means and resources to stay incredibly fit and there are going to be guys who don't have those resources and that's where the whole um you know inequitability there is is just really unfortunate it's it's uh just kind of makes you sad a little bit it it sucks man it again it's a insanely crazy time and an unprecedented time that we're going through right uh but it's important that we all you know maintain a level head and uh just trust that there's a greater plan and it it will be seen through and uh, hopefully we'll all come out healthy on the other side of this and for the people that you know are experiencing this a little bit harder who who maybe know some people 
uh, very personally that, that have gone through this. Again, we, uh, you know, extend our best wishes out to you guys and hope for nothing but but health and happiness moving forward for everybody. But uh, it's, it's still life must go on. And uh, obviously the Oregon State staff is seeing that and, you know, still still staying busy on the working side. Let's go ahead and switch gears over to the basketball side. Again, we'll get to women's basketball and uh, the huge news, you know, almost bombshell news that uh, Oregon State uh, junior guard, redshirt junior guard, uh, Destiny Slocum has elected to enter the transfer portal. I'll catch up with uh, Steve Gress, the Corvallis Gazette Times. No one is as plugged into that program as he is. You're going to want to hear what he has to say about Destiny. But let's go ahead and start with uh, Oregon State men's basketball. Wayne Tinkle. Uh, landed a Juco shooting guard, Tariq Silver, the day we're recording this podcast. Mm-hmm. And just from looking at his highlights, his stats, and what he brought to the table, Jared, this is a big-time three-point shooter the Beavers just landed. Now, he's a, he's a, he's a really good player. And uh, he was a good player out of high school, too, was able to, uh, to get on it at Eastern Michigan. Uh, so he's, I mean, he's always been a good player, but some things just didn't work out, decided to take the Juco route. And, uh, I mean, th- he had 20-plus offers. Uh, you know, some, from some top schools like Wichita State, even. You know, that's a team that you see in the tournament almost every year. Uh, so he was definitely a, a guy that a lot of schools wanted. So it was good for, for Oregon State to, to get in there and, you know, get him out of uh, of Tallahassee Community College and bring him up to Corvallis because he's, again, like you said, he's a guy that uh, that could could have an instant impact. Yeah, and, you know, you just figure now, obviously, with the, the um, we, we all expected it, but to get the official news that, Winter athletes were getting, you know, no um, recompensation, so to speak. You know, Trace Tinkle, Cairo Kelly are gone. You lose Trace Tinkle, uh, you know, finding a way to, to rematch the production that he provided for, you know, the better part of, you know, four and a half, almost five seasons, if you want to count as half year with injury. Um, you're going to need someone else to be able to put the ball in the bucket, and we're still waiting to see. Uh, what you know, Ethan Thompson's status is as he has a decision to make with the NBA draft looming. Um, it, it's 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 a huge pickup for the Beavers in the sense that you know they've already got a, a really solid emerging freshman in Jared Lucas, who I think is going to take a big step forward. We saw him end the Beavers season on that crazy game-winning three-pointer that will you know live live on for quite some time. And I think having a guy like Tariq Silver, the size, the six foot five, 200 pounds, it's not a stretch. You go look at his bio, look at his uh, uh, highlights, the size and uh, weight is legit. He's strong. And I, I, you know, he's got a Pac-12 ready body. And more than anything, I think the Beavers just need that. No, there's no doubt about it. I mean, he's six five. He's definitely a really good size for his position. And I, like you already mentioned, he's a, he's definitely a guy that's going to knock down some shots, shot nearly 50% from the floor overall and 45 uh, from three-point range. So he's a guy that's going to be able to score uh, from just about anywhere on the floor. And, and you know, any team could use that. So he's, a, he's definitely a welcome addition and somebody that's going to be, you know, fun to watch uh, as somebody who's already had some college experience. He's going to go in there and, and, you know, maybe he could turn into to a leader for this team like Trace Tinkle was. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, Wayne Tinkles dipped into the Juco ranks a couple times, you know, had a couple successes and some that didn't turn out so well. But, you know, you look at what the Beavers are losing and, you know, the state of the Pac-12, you know, it really is an arms race when it comes to, you know, Pac-12 basketball and the Beavers, you know, lost their 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 guy and Trace Tinkle, who, you know, was as you know, uh, uh, one of the most complete players, you know, in the Pac-12 as far as, you know, leadership and, you know, doing the points, the rebounds, the assists. He'll leave Oregon State as the all-time leading scorer, so on and so forth. 
Uh, that's a lot of points production that needs to be made. And, and, and I credit Wayne Tinkle and his staff for going out. Uh, we've been covering it quite a bit. They've been after a lot of grad transfers, a lot of JUCO guys. And I don't think they're done in that regard either, as, you know, Tariq Silver joins Isaiah Johnson, uh, a freshman forward, and then uh, Rodriguez Andela, a uh, center from Kilgore, Texas. So I think they could still even add another spot. And I, I don't think they're necessarily done dipping into the JUCO ranks uh, at this point. No, it doesn't appear that they are. Uh, so they're going to they're gonna you know continue the recruiting efforts moving forward. And, and uh, whether it's JUCO or somebody from high school, it'll be interesting to see who they pick up. I would imagine it'll be a big, but, but who knows. And again, I mean, the, the JUCO route's a good route for them to take right now. So it, it'll be fun to watch moving forward. We'll go ahead and pivot real quickly, and we'll uh, bring in Steve Grass of the Corvallis Gazette Times to talk about uh, Destiny Slocum and the impact of her transfer and what's next for the Beavers as they most recently landed five-star guard Greta Camp Schroeder. And we're back here on the Edge podcast, host Brendan Slaughter. I'm joined now by Corvallis Gazette Times sports editor Steve Grass. Steve, let's talk about the most breaking news that's going on with Oregon State women's basketball right now, and that's Destiny Slocum entered her name into the NCAA transfer portal yesterday. Just kind of from the outset, just the headline caught me by surprise. It was not what I was expecting to see yesterday. Yeah, you know, um, I actually got a text message. I didn't see the original post on Twitter from the uh, women's basketball account. And somebody said, is this true? And I looked and I'm like, well, yeah, it has to be true because the women's basketball is posting it and it's not April 1st. So <laughs> I have to take that as being true. So, um, yeah, it was, um, I'd been kind of wondering, you know, with, when we haven't been around, you know, obviously for obvious reasons with the coronavirus and everything, um, I was waiting to kind of find out what she might do. Um, so I wasn't necessarily shocked or stunned. I might've been a little surprised, but, um, I, I but when I think about it, you know, I, I can see why. But, yeah, definitely not something I expected when I was sitting down to work on news pages last night and getting that and realized, oh, I got to put together a story. So um, it, it's weird now when we get any kind of news, it's it always seems to be a little shocking. But that one was a little bit more so than most. Yeah, you know, just kind of touching base on that a little bit, you know, Destiny obviously is going to have her degree. She'll be a graduate transfer. will you know, in theory, be able to play just about anywhere that has a different graduate program than Oregon State University. Just from kind of your perspective, you know, we've covered Destiny for a while. Can you just kind of speak to maybe what went through her, her, her mind in terms of wanting to maybe try something different or just, you know, or any indications or something of, of that nature? Yeah, you know, I don't mean this in any negative way because everybody is different. Destiny's one who I've never really gotten that close to. Um, I don't think she's gotten close to a lot of us in the media, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's fair. Um, you know, and I do remember, you know, I, I, I shared this story yesterday with someone. I mean, like the closest that we've ever really kind of got was was kind of fun on the the ride the flight back from Albany last year, I was on the charter with them. And, you know, it's that weird thing of, do you talk to the players on there? And this now you just let everybody kind of go is when the season was over. And there's a lot of room on there and the players were kind of mingling around and destiny looked over at me or my way. And I looked at her, we met, I have contact. She says, Hey Steve. And I was like, Whoa, she's initiating this, this conversation again, never has not been willing to do stuff. Just was one of those things where we didn't chat a lot off offline 
And so we talked a lot about kind of the, the, the difficulty she had in picking a school um, coming out of high school. You know, she was committed to Washington at one point, and then she wound up at Maryland and how that whole thing went. She's She goes, it's a really difficult process to go through. And then struggling at a school like Maryland, for whatever reasons, not a good fit. We didn't get into great detail on all that, but, um, you know, talking about just being so far away from home and everything. And so I totally understood a little more, more why she kind of made that move. And, and I, I don't fault any kids um, when you're 18, 19 years old and you go off someplace, you're like, this does not work for whatever reason. I mean, when I was 18 or 19, if I'd have left home and been in a different environment, who knows how I would have, you know, reacted to it. And, and so that was the one time we kind of really talked and I really wanted to sit down with her. I said, Hey, let's talk over the summer. Um, I'm actually going to be going to Boise because she lives close there in Meridian. And so I was like, hey, we could get together even over there and, and do that. And she goes, ah, that'd be kind of cool. And it just never panned out. I mean, I wound up not having enough time anyway when I was there, taken away from family. But um, and, and so I just think coming through, you know, she is four years of college here. And if she's looking for something that's not here, she has every right to go and look and find something somewhere else from an education standpoint. You know, we we talk about student athletes and and everything. They should be going and getting an education. And if they find something and it's someplace else or it's not offered at the school you're at, you know, just because you have a year of eligibility. I know that a lot of fans like that loyalty and commitment and whatever, you know, but these kids, this is their life outside of basketball some of it involves basketball later so if that's the case and i don't know i'm just going off of hey i'm a grad transfer i can go someplace else maybe she wanted out maybe she's just looking for the next spot for her to be and is doing it you know early um and so that i can't fault anybody there so i don't know i just know we talked last year um before the postseason began and we were all talking about Sabrina Ionescu at Oregon and, and whether she would come back for her senior year because she was going to be draft eligible. And we asked Destiny kind of just joked around about it, you know, off the record. I mean, not that we just never did anything for print. And we just kind of talked about like that, you know, would you want maybe be in that situation the next year? Cause you'll be four years, you know, through. So you have, you know, you'll be draft eligible age wise. Would you do it? And she goes, I really enjoy playing college basketball. So I would want to do this as long as possible. And so, um, I think she really wants to play and I don't know if she, you know, felt like Oregon State wasn't going to be a good fit for her this senior year or if it was classes or not. But I think all those things kind of play in and I think sometimes she might be one of those people that I don't want to say struggles to fit in because if you saw her with her teammates, she fit in or and she she always said it was a really good place for her to be. But that can change over three years. You know, when you come in three years ago, you're three years older, wiser. And you have maybe different goals and aspirations and that, that take place and, and you end up having to make a move. So all those things can play into it. But I don't know one way or the other what went into her decision, you know, to, to do this and, and to do this now. And, you know, whether she wanted to go and go to grad school or whether she could have declared for the WNBA draft, which, you know, is coming up here. But obviously the, the season today was announced and will not start on time, which comes to the shock of nobody, I'm sure. Talking with Corvallis Gazette Times sports editor Steve Gress here on the Edge podcast. Steve, you kind of mentioned it a little bit, but just for, you know, you and I can obviously see, you know, from our media perspective and, you know, I, I'm 100% with you. You know, I will never fault 
uh, a kid for wanting to make a decision that's best for them. You know, I make decisions that are best for me every day. And, you know, everyone makes decisions that are best for them every day. But for my, my, my thing is, what would you say, I guess, to kind of those Oregon State fans, those diehard Oregon State fans that are really ingrained in, you know, the Scott Ruick culture and the family that are maybe a little taken back by the fact that a redshirt senior, someone going into their last year, would want to leave this culture that, you know, you and I both know it's what they pride themselves on. Yeah, you know, a couple of years ago, Brianna Brown um, left to after her redshirt junior year to go to grad school at Georgia Tech and played there. So, um, you know, I, it, it's happened in the past, and I don't, I don't know if you can say it's an indictment or anything on the culture and this and that. And and again, like I said previously, every individual is different. And Bree was like, she openly talked about it. She's like, I'm gonna graduate because she redshirted redshirted her second year she played her freshman year sat out what would have been her sophomore year and came back for her redshirt junior her sophomore and redshirt junior years and really came into her own that that junior year um, when she got a chance to play quite off quite a bit um, and did some great things for the for the team um, but you know she had gone through her four years and she was looking at grad school or possibly you know doing an internship with some things and she didn't really know what it was going to be and then opportunity came up and it's like she had to take it so um i i don't know i think a lot of people are maybe thinking that because this is her and i've heard people i've had people on twitter say oh this is her second transfer you know what's going on maybe you got to look at the player and not the situation i'm like i just don't know i mean i i'm not in her shoes and and i don't pretend to know what's what's going through her mind or i don't have anything that says she didn't like it at Oregon State or she needed to get out or anything like that. But I just think that, you know, every player, we got to remember they're people and they're going to make decisions that are best for them. And what was, what was, you know, maybe a really good fit for somebody for the first three years someplace turns out not to be for whatever reason. And um, I feel like everybody wants to know all the reasons why, and we shouldn't, really be able to do that when it comes to personal decisions and things like that. Um, I think, you know, I think these, these guys can make their decisions on their own. They know what's best for them and go. And if she wants to talk about it, I'd be happy to talk with her and tell her story at some point, you know, but if not, that's, that's the way it is. And, and we all are left with maybe trying to figure out why. And um, I think that's okay for right now to maybe to ask that and just kind of go, Whoa, because I think a lot of people were shocked by it. Um, but then it's time to move on and 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 look towards what's what's coming up next. And you mentioned it perfectly. It's a great segue to what I was going to get into next, Steve. And that's you know next season. Obviously, Oregon State fans and everyone around are kind of starting to look at what the Beavers have in store for next season. Right now, you've got for guards on the roster, you've got Aaliyah Goodman, Jasmine Simmons, and Noel Mannon, and then you have Sasha Goforth and Savannah Savannah Samuel, excuse me, uh, coming in uh, as freshmen. So. Do you think this is a situation where maybe now we'll see those two guards maybe thrown to the wolves a little bit more early? Do you think that um, where does that guard depth kind of stand right now with, you know, Destiny not being the presumed leader of that group as we all kind of anticipated? What guard depth? <laughs> there, there really isn't any. Um, you know, and you think about like going into this last year, the guard depth was was one of the things that that was, hey, they're so deep at the guard position experience and all that stuff and everything, you know, with Mick. Uh, Michaela Pivik and Kat Tudor back and Aaliyah yep. and Destiny and you're looking like whoa holy cow and then you've got you know Jasmine Simmons who could maybe find some time in there as that fifth spot well now you're you're adding you've got you've got one 
player at the guard position who has started at Oregon State, and that's Aaliyah Goodman as a senior. You got Jasmine Simmons, who's shown some flashes at times of what she can do, but hasn't had a ton of playing experience her freshman and sophomore years. Does she step into there? Or does, like, as you mentioned, Sasha go for it? I mean, I expected her to have some big minutes anyway, uh, coming in as a five-star, you know, recruit. And, and you know, Scott loves playing whoever deserves it, freshman or not. You know, you can you can find your way into the, the lineup. And I think she was probably going to play often anyway. So I expect her to even have, an, you know, be exp- – you know, be called upon now to do even maybe more than what initially thought, obviously. Um, and, and then you've got Noel Manning, who, you know, I, I, I just love everything about her. Her story is fan- fantastic. She is so fun to talk with. And I mean, yep. just uh, every time you see her, she's got a smile on her face. And, you know, she can hit some threes. I'm not sure she can play Pac-12 minutes at this point, you know, Um heavy duty minutes and stuff, which you would maybe think as, as your, as a guard, you know, with only five of them on the roster right now. Um, you know, so I think that that guard depth is, is really non-existent and they're going to need to develop it quick. And, you know, with, um, Savannah coming in too, you know, how does she maybe get a little bit more? She'll probably need to do a little bit more this year than, than maybe initially thought. And, you know, I mean, the transfer portal, taketh away it might giveth back too um there's a lot of players out there who may like think oregon state is an attractive destination for them for a year um grad transfers might be able to come in and say hey that's a place i'd like to go play what is their you know what are their degrees what what you know what can i do for that and um you know so that hopefully they can find somebody there otherwise i think man that's going to be that's that could lend towards a longer season depending on how quickly everybody else can elevate their game talking with Steve Gress, Corvallis Gazette Times sports editor. Steve, we were talking a little bit about this year. We're going to let's go a little bit further and talk about 2021. The Beavers landed five-star guard Greta Kampschroeder earlier this week. Talk about that impact, obviously a year down the line before she gets here, but five stars, that's always impressive. And, you know, when I got a chance to speak with her earlier this week, it sounds like she really fell in love with uh, Scott and the staff and is really looking forward to playing with the, Kennedy Brown and Taylor Jones in the coming years. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think, you know, it'd be interesting, especially now with Destiny. I wasn't going to say like this was a rebuilding year by any stretch, but it may be end up being a quote unquote rebuilding year without Destiny just because you lose so much. You look at the the four seniors that they lost plus Destiny, that's five. Mm -hmm. And you're looking at like three of those were starters last year. And and Maddie Washington started often too last year. And uh, look at what she's done over her career and the versatility she played with. And that's just a, that's a tremendous amount of loss when you're only bringing in, in two players and you, you're, you may not have Kennedy Brown back at, early. And then you have yep. to have to make up a mind and say, do I play it all this year? Like, do I just play the last half of the season and waste a year, you know, or not waste a year, but use up that year you know, kind of like Kat Tudor had to do when she had to make a decision to come back earlier than she might have wanted this year. And so does she even play next year? That's, you know, where you kind of look at and, and, you know, maybe she's thinking about doing it and then maybe the team is terrible. I, I don't say they're never going to be terrible. Just, there's, they've got talent still on that that roster. And as long as everybody can be healthy, you know, Taya Corsdale coming back, they can still have a good year, but it might not be what they're accustomed to. So does Kennedy Brown come back? You know, but, you know, so you're bringing up Greta there. I mean, yes, they've needed to replace their guards. And so getting Sasha Goforth coming in this year, Greta coming in the next year, that's two five stars in the guard position. 
um, they're retooling, re reloading at that position. And, and obviously that's a, that's a positive thing. It'll be interesting to kind of see now, depending on if they get a, a transfer or a grad transfer for immediate net, you know, needs or another transfer to come in for the following year, you know, how that kind of plays out. But I do like, you know, on paper, Sasha and Greta being the, you know, being in that backcourt for three years together should be a lot of fun. There's no doubt going to be a lot of talent. And if that's one thing that Scott Ruick has consistently done since the program has elevated to kind of the upper echelon status that it is now, it's being able to retool and add new pieces of talent and tweak what he does. So more than anything, Scott Ruick's a guy that's not, doesn't back away from a challenge. So I'm certainly excited to see what his plan is. Steve, I appreciate you taking the time in the midst of this social distancing and the world we live in now to uh, join me here on the edge podcast. Yeah, you bet. Anytime, Brennan. Thanks for having me. Big shout out to Steve Gress from the Corvallis Gazette Times for joining the Edge podcast just to talk about, you know, Destiny Slocum, a big name entering the transfer portal right before her senior season. And, you know, I mean, Jared, obviously you can see it from from the outside. Uh, yeah. It's it's big, big news, big news. And someone yeah. who had, uh, you know, been a big time player at Oregon State. It's not something that happens every day. No, you picked a good word for it. You said uh, shell shocking. It was surprising to me, even of course, not really knowing the ins and outs of the situation, but just to see somebody who was obviously so you know highly liked and uh, valued at, at the program uh, to get out of there it was definitely surprising, even for me to see. And I, I can only imagine how surprising it was for you all. Yeah, no, it was it was just kind of one of those things that um, you know it was shocking, but uh, at the same token, you know I will, you know I've seen it, you know ins and outs with. Uh, I think the thing that's most shocking for me is we'll wrap up uh, the podcast is that, you know, you just don't see a lot of turnover come from the Oregon state women's basketball program. Obviously I've been a part of the Oregon state football program through, you know, several coaching changes since the 2014 season. I'm very familiar with the, you know, even before the transfer portal and the sense of guys coming in and out and I'll never blame a, a, a kid for making the best decision, you know, for them. But just not having the the turnover very often in the women's program is probably what was most shocking about that. And again, a big thanks to Steve Gress from the Corvallis Gazette Times for joining us to give his thoughts on that. As again, there's no one that's as plugged into the women's basketball team as Mr. Gress. So to recap uh, today's podcast, Jared and I were able to break down what head coach Jonathan Smith uh, told the media earlier this week. We're also able to touch base on Tariq Silver, who Jared and I are both really excited for what he'll bring to Corvallis. And then also we're able to get uh, Steve Gress on from the Corvallis Gazette Times. It's uh, it's it's an interesting time because you may not think there's a lot going on with Oregon State, but behind the scenes, there's still a lot of action happening, and we got you loaded here at BeaversEdge.com. Yeah, there's still plenty of stuff going on, and as Brendan mentioned, we have uh, we've got the full coverage. Stay tuned today, even if if this is this is a uh, going to be a pretty exciting day potentially. Uh, there's two four-star defensive backs announcing their top five and top seven tonight. Um, so I expect Oregon State to be in at least one of them, uh, but we shall see. Make sure you're plugged in at Beavers Edge to find out. Absolutely. Make sure to uh, keep those Twitter notifications on for Jared Hallis and B Slot as we'll be bringing you all the stuff in BeaversEdge.com as well. So that'll go ahead and wrap it up. Again, big thanks to Steve Gress, Jared Hallis for joining me here on this edition of the Edge Podcast. We'll be back next week with the latest on Oregon State and more.